Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome, friends. You do not want to miss episode 13 of Doing Divorce Different. We have the lovely attorney, Annie Rose, and she is going to tell us all the things you don't want to forget about when the divorce paperwork is signed. So stay tuned and welcome, Annie Rose. Here we are in the barn again, and I feel so blessed, as always, to be sitting at my farm table in the barn with a very dear friend in my comfy clothes, and we've got the, our lovely co-host, Kim Geiken. Um, and, you know, today is special to me because Annie truly is a friend. And, you know, I was thinking, this is Annie Bros attorney at law has helped me immensely. And we're going to, she is actually going to help us today learn what to do when the divorce is done, because so often people just want to be done with it. And they don't think about the deeds and the quadros and all the beneficiaries and all the things. So that's what we're going to talk about. But before we get into that, I was thinking about Annie this morning. And um, I thought about when we first met, and it was, I mean, I don't even want to, because we're so young, but it was when our first <laughs> children were born, like 27 years ago. And when I, and Annie was just starting out, you know, practicing law, I had not been to law school yet. And this morning it hit me. So you know how like some people say like, we're going to die and go to heaven and God's going to like show you all your sins. That's not what I think. I think he's going to like, set us in front of them and go, hey, look it, this is what you did. This is an amazing thing you did that you didn't even know. And I thought about Annie and I'm like, I think you sparked all of this. Like she is the one that inspired me and I could actually get mushy and cry. That's why I'm living my dream because I watched her and I went to law school. I started applying after I met you because you were kind, you were thoughtful, and you made me think I can do this. So I was like, isn't Aww. that cool? Like, Lisa, that's so, so awesome. no, going to make me give me. I know. So that is, that is uh, why I'm so grateful that you are here. So Annie has so much to offer, and um, you have helped me through my career. And I think what was really fun was I listened, you know how we can't, we kind of stalk people before they come. And I watched your video on your website and I was like, we are so much more similar than I even realized because you were a litigator and you switched and you talk in your video about how you like to work with families and you work collaboratively. And I'm like, how did I not see how similar we are? So even though you do a lot of estate work, you know, another thing I want to have you on again sometime to talk about um, pre-marriage and, you know, preparing for that because a lot of our listeners are going to want to get married again, like Kim. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know. So if Kim was a client of mine 
who became a mediator and is now my apprentice. So, oh, wonderful. yeah. So she has great questions kind of coming from that client yep. perspective. Yeah. Great. So, um, Annie, just for our listeners, before we get into how you're going to help us when we're all done with the divorce paperwork and we want to run away and hide in a hole, there's still a few things we need to do. Give us a little bit, because I know you've been touched by divorce and I think it's helpful and not in your life with your partner, Mm -hmm. but as a child and kind of um, an older child, a college student. Right. So do you want to share a little bit? Sure. Absolutely, Lisa. And thank you. I (laughs) right back at you with all of your kind words and you inspire me every day with all of your things that you do. Um, So when I was in college, my parents uh, divorced and separated. Um, They had been married about 25 years uh, and uh, my father decided he wanted out of the marriage. So the thing that struck me at that time was picking sides. I still loved my dad, but I felt sorry for my mom and was worried and concerned about her and how she would navigate this and and rise above it and move on with her life. Um, And so when um, thinking back on that time, I think what resonated with me was that I had to learn how to still love my dad Yep, protect my mom and and not just pick sides on each, you know, Mm -hmm. um, understand there's two parts to this story um, and that um, there wasn't an affair. So we didn't have that in there to to kind of muddy it up. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, yeah, so I needed to learn how to support my mom, but yet not be angry at my dad and understand my dad's perspective of it Mm -hmm. so that ongoing I can have a relationship with both. And the other thing that I thought about, too, was that my parents were very good about not using the kids as a pawn. Then we were all older. I have four. I have three siblings. Mm-hmm. I have one younger brother that was still at home. And um, neither one of our parents tried to uh, persuade us to their way of thinking or their side. And so that was also very helpful. What a gift. Yeah, really, truly. And it allowed us to each process it on our own, how we were going to get to that point where we were going to understand my dad's perspective and my mom's perspective on it. Which isn't always easy. No, not when you watch one of your parents suffer, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of brings us to what we're talking about today. And Kim and I are so focused on we do this because of the kids. So, I mean, it's great when you don't have kids, but when you're going to parent together and be connected for the rest of your lives, I can't imagine not working through this. And there are times when attorneys need to be called in and advice given, but to work together through your divorce. So, and I think what you're going to talk about today is kind of continuing on because you don't want to leave a mess for your kids when it's all done. So that's what, you know, we want to talk through with you. So when you're done with your divorce paperwork, there's certain things you have to do. Like if you're transferring um, 401ks, there's quadros, there's deeds that have to be done. And so I have this fear and I'm actually going to make a checklist for my clients that they're going to forget something. And I kind of did that with Kim. I was like, are you sure? Are you sure they they transfer the deed? So if you can just kind of start speaking on that, Kim is probably going to have some questions. I probably will. And this is going to help me be better and create my little sheet for people to make sure that you're um, taking care of this after you're done with your divorce. Sure. Yeah. So actually there is a lot that needs to be done. And I have found that sometimes in divorces, 
um, attorneys can drop the ball on some of those things. Like they don't follow up. Like, was that deed ever done? Was yeah. it signed? The deed is the one thing I see a lot of times and even beneficiary designations. So, but let me just say this first, both Minnesota and Wisconsin have statutes that upon divorce, annulment, they will automatically remove your former spouse as your beneficiary. So that's great. So like if you don't get around to doing it and you don't forget, now you still want to go back in and check because you want to make sure the contingent beneficiary is somebody that you would want to move into the primary role and you might want to modify that now. Well, and now I have a question. Mm -hmm. Client of mine is wanting to keep the ex-spouse as a beneficiary because they don't have life insurance to back up spousal maintenance and he wants to keep her as a beneficiary on a 401k and you're saying they automatically take them off. What can he do to remain on it? Um, you would that as well. Yeah, you like, would, um, what you'd want to because also sometimes in divorce decrees or you know uh, MSAs they um, will require somebody to have insurance in place yes. to the benefit of the spouse to pay for child support mm -hmm. for a minor child, okay? Um, in those cases, you want to go to the asset holder, so the 401k administrator or whatever, provide them a copy of the, um, the marital settlement agreement or the, you know, the divorce decree uh, and explain that, that she, she or he does need to be named here. So you want to take those extra steps to okay. do that and get confirmation and always get it in writing confirmation that they're naming that that spouse can be that former spouse can be the beneficiary at that time. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Annie. Yeah. So it, it's pretty broad what the statute says. So it removes them as the beneficiary. It would remove them as if they're nominated. Let's say you had a, a will and you nominated them as your personal representative, they would be removed as your nomination. So they wouldn't be able to serve in any fiduciary role for you as well. So it's very broad. And I do like it because people forget they don't do these things. They don't take those extra steps. And so now you're kind of covered right. that those things are going to be done automatically by operation of law that they're going to be removed. And Wisconsin even takes it a step further. They remove the former spouse. But if any relative of the former spouse is um, named, that person is also removed. Wow. Yeah. You know what? I was not aware of that. And it's just making me think um, how awesome it is that you're at a firm in New Richmond, Wisconsin, and it's um, it has everything. You have a family law attorney mm -hmm, and do. then you've got Annie, you know, so it yeah. just really makes that truly so, I mean, that's so important because that yeah. is something that I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, uh, so it would be a situation where maybe the spouse is still named, the former spouse, the person dies, right? Mm -hmm. And then the uh, asset holder is going to start paying the life insurance policy to the former spouse. And it's somebody on behalf of the kids or, or a new spouse or somebody says, wait a minute, she's not supposed to be named. And then you bring in that statute to do it because maybe it never got cleaned up on the records. You know what I mean? On the, mm -hmm. on the documents that they have. So you, um, yeah, so you have that in your kind of your backup. Okay. That's your yep. default, but 
you want to be proactive about it because now before you had your kids named as the contingent beneficiary, sometimes people mm -hmm. would do that. Well, they're maybe still pretty young. And now the fact is they're going to be moved into first position and we don't want them in mm -hmm. first position at that point. We maybe don't want it to go outright to them. We might want to hold it back and trust for a period of time mm -hmm. because they're going to get it at the age of 18 and that may not work. Right. You know what I mean? And so, so you, you, your beneficiary designation isn't just going to be your kids, you know what I mean? And so you do need to go back in and change it because what the statute says is that we're going to act like that former spouse has predeceased you. So let's say Lisa, okay. you have John named on your account and you guys are divorced and you have your kids, you had minor kids were named second. Okay. You never did anything. You just left it that way. Well, you passed away. They're going to look and say, well, we're going to act like John has died, remove him. And then automatically those kids are going to step up into that first position and they're going to get it at the age of 18. Do you mean if you've done nothing to modify it? And, and so if the child is under the age of 18, what happens? It's then? held in a custodial account until the age of 18. Wow. Yep. But then they get it at 18. So it is imperative for people who are going through or, you know, finishing up with the divorce to go to you or another estate planning lawyer to make sure that they have everything set up exactly how they want it. They should, you know, it would be worthwhile to talk to an estate planning mm -hmm. attorney because then you can evaluate, are my kids old enough to get these assets right. now? Because now it might be a lot more than you ever anticipated mm -hmm. that they were going to get. And so, yeah, I think it is helpful if nothing else, because also, as we, you kind of alluded, you maybe do your own estate plan at this point now because you don't have a spouse. Right. And also um, with respect to guardianship. So let's say you named your former spouse's sister to be the guardian. And this was not maybe an amicable divorce in some respects. And so maybe you don't want that sister-in-law to be the guardian anymore. Your former spouse is always primary. So if he or she can act, they're going to act. But now you might want to pick somebody else, maybe your sibling mm -hmm. or somebody else on your side. Right. So you would change your estate plan. You would have a new will that would say, in the event I die and my former spouse can't act as guardian, I want this person to be right. in charge. So, And they're not picking somebody else. Right. You know what I mean? So there's other things that you will want to look at besides just beneficiary designations once your divorce is final to kind of clean up mm -hmm. because now you're in a different, it's a different game. Like, you know, it's you now and you want to, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to want to do different things. Um, and you might want to, you have different ideas maybe than your former spouse, your former right. spouse might say, let the kids have the money in any time. I don't care, but you might be a little more conservative about it and say, I think they need to wait till 25 or, you know, to get well, it. And now you have the power to make that choice. You it do. is yours alone. And that is one thing that, because I always talk about how you have to work together for the, for your kids, but this is something that you have control over. Correct. Yep. Love yep. that. You get to make your own decisions. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Kim, do you have any questions about what you've done? <laughs> Says, yeah, I know. Now I'm trying to like go through the file cabinet of my brain <laughs> to find out, figure it out. I know I had just recently. So for our divorce, I had, I gave him, um, it was a part of an IRA. So I don't, 
it wasn't directly my 401. It was an IRA. Is that still a quadro? I don't know why I can't remember. It's not a quadro when you when you transfer it from an IRA. Yeah, and I don't know what that's called exactly, but you can still, but it, you you do it, it, it. The benefit of that, and I don't know if you guys have talked about that when we talk about quadro, um, is that you are able to transfer the ownership of part of a qualified plan asset without any tax consequence. So that's yeah. the key. And the key is you got to do it within the divorce proceeding to avoid that. So it's not something later on. Yeah. Um, so Annie, does that need to be filed? So I have some clients who want to file on their own. Do they need to have that quadro paperwork with them when they're coming in to file? No. Because as long as the divorce decree says that this is what's happening, okay. that's the governing document that's yep. going to allow you to do it. And it's going to take some time to process. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. So that's similar like with your beneficiary, does it? Like sometimes I have people that will come in and they're getting divorced. And I say, well, you know, an another thing to know is that you can't omit your spouse from your will. Well, you can, but the statutes will say your spouse has rights. And that's the yeah. other thing that the statute does. The statute will, when you get divorced, will say your spot, your former spouse no longer has any uh, rights essentially after you've died, meaning like they're not your heirs at law. They don't have, you know, in the statutes, a spouse, let's say I, um, again, I'll use John and Lisa. So Lisa, you decided to draft a will and you said, I wanted it to go, all go to our kids. And John, I don't want anything to go to you. And you pass away. John can say, no, um, the statutes say I can elect against that will and I have certain statutory rights. It can be in Minnesota, it's a percentage based on your marriage that he can get. And you're saying if we're still together. You're still yeah. together, so you're still married. Intestate laws, is that? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not intestate because you have a will. So it's just spousal rights essentially. Okay. Like, and in Wisconsin too, Minnesota has this too. It's like, I can, as a spouse, I can elect certain properties. I get the rights to certain tangible properties, all these other special right. elections I get, right? So I can't cut my spouse out of right. my will. And, um, and so um, that statute I was referring to in the beginning takes all those rights away to a former spouse. You are no longer a spouse. You no longer gotcha. have any of these statutory yes. rights. Okay. So that yep. makes sense. Yep. Um, but what I was saying is that people come in and they want to do their will ahead of time and we can get it drafted. But again, if you die before the divorce is right. done, you've omitted a spouse, they're going to be able to come back in and try to get, they can get stuff still. So you really, you can start working on it before your divorce is final, right? but you really don't want to sign it to after it because then it, it takes an effect. Mm -hmm. Now you can sign it ahead of time because that statute will come in and remove them from any beneficiaries. You know what I'm saying? The right. other statute, but, um, but sometimes it's just cleaner. We're mm -hmm. done, you're divorced and you say, I'm single in the document. Here's what it is. Yeah. And kind of, we go from there. Yeah. So, but it's always worthwhile to start getting your ducks in a row and doing, being proactive about all that. Because what you find is when, once you finalize your divorce, it's a little bit of a letdown in the sense that you're exhausted, you're mm -hmm. done, you're tired. You don't want to think or do about this anymore. You've got now this whole new world ahead of you that you're, is, can be kind of daunting mm -hmm. and you're not ready to take on another project. So, so. kind of um, probably a great solution is working on it as you're doing your divorce. Kim, do you, have you done a new 
um, estate plan for yourself? Well, I had refinanced um, after the divorce. So I bought him out. So it's only in my name. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know what it is about milestone birthdays that make you do things. <laughs> Last year when I turned 40, that was my goal. And I did um, updated a will. Good for you. Uh, life insurance. I think I had to increase that too. But I am quite sure that I still named him um, uh, as a beneficiary on some of those items because, you know, my thought process, and I'm thankful we have such a great relationship, Mm -hmm. um, but my my thought on it was he's got to have money to take care of the kids, you know, if I'm, I'm, you know, half responsible for all of them. So I'm pretty sure he's still... A beneficiary for life insurance, but I know that I am on his as well. And I think that is pretty common with the people that I work with because they do want to make sure they're doing this together. They care about their kids. They want to make sure that that other, but it sounds like we need to take the extra step and make sure that they are truly named as the beneficiary. Yeah. And the other thing though, there's other options too. So Kim, in your circumstance or when, you know, you're getting along, you could, um, have the funds. So it could be in a will and you could say, um, hold these funds. You know, I pass away. Um, I have two kids. So divide it 50, 50, hold it in trust. So a trust would spring up, you know, be on paper until you passed away. Mm-hmm. And then it would come into being after you passed away for the benefit of my kids. So half would go to one kid, half would go to the other kid. And then you select a trustee. Maybe it's, you know, it could be your former spouse but it could also be somebody else. And the difference is when you name your spouse, it's his money. Like he can use whatever amount he uses for the kids, whatever is left, you know, he doesn't have to give to the kids. And the scenario that I just said is that you could be using it for your kids for education and, you know, uh, building a house, getting married, all these things. But at a certain age, the remaining amount is going to go to your child. Do you know what I mean? It's not your spouse's. It goes to your kid. And that's really what you wanted to begin with. So that might be and sometimes a better option that you ultimately are going to fulfill your goals of getting those funds to your kids, still allowing someone to oversee it and take care of it for a period of time. You know, definitely. that has, yeah. you know what, I think I need to explain that better to my clients because I think so many of them do the life insurance and I don't really go into the details of, I think the trust and it's not that much more difficult. Oh, and, it, and it's, it, it's really, it, it's only there if it needs it. So for yeah. instance, like I, you know, the, the likelihood that you're going to use it is slim, right? Because you have to die prematurely and your kids have to be under that age. So whatever age you pick, so if you pick 25 mm-hmm. or if you pick 30, you know, depending on your kids and you might modify it over time too. At some point you might say 25 is enough. And then maybe you the child's not making good decisions or you don't like the child's spouse. You Mm -hmm. think the child's spouse is a spendthrift. So you want to protect the money for the child. Mm -hmm. Um, You might up it to 30, you know, it's, those are easy modifications. Um, But it's just there on paper. It it doesn't exist until you pass away and the child is that age, it'll spring into effect. So in my case, if you hold it to 25, I have to die 
and my child has to be under the age of 25 for it ever to come into right. being. If my child's over 25, then they can get it. Do you know what I mean? They can have it. Right. And then you, the trust never comes into being. So, and the trust language is just in the decree? Or is there no. more? What else do they have to do? It's not in the decree. So what you it's in your estate plan. It's in your will okay. or trust-based plan, whatever you do. It's in your it's in your estate plan. What you need to think about in your decree, though. Instead of saying, because I see decrees where it'll say the spouse needs to keep insurance in place. Yep. It'll say sometimes for the benefit of the child, but naming the former spouse as the beneficiary. Yep. I would advocate saying it just needs to be for the benefit of the kids mm -hmm. and that then you can do that trust because then it's for the benefit of the kids. So, you know? and you know, I do recall doing this before and putting language in about a trust. So if people want to do that, I get the language in and then I have them talk to you or an estate planner to do the actual trust in their plan. Yeah, it has to be in their estate plan. Okay. It can't, the, 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 having it in Just the, mentioning it, in like life insurance no, isn't good gonna, enough. It isn't gonna work. It, okay. um, it, there is a thing called a constructive trust that you could try to kind of shoehorn it in and get it. Right. But you really want the counterpart of the, the, the will, is the easiest way to do it, to say, if I die, um, if my child is under such and such age, I want it to be held back in trust for his benefit until he reaches that age. And then he can have it outright mm -hmm. at that point. In the meantime, trustee, you have discretion and I want you to use those monies up for whatever's in his best interest. Yeah. You know, whatever that yep. might be um, during that time period that you're serving as trustee. Very yep. good. Such yep. helpful information. Yeah. Yeah. So much. Yes. That yeah. Yeah. Um, and so another thing I thought about too is deeds. Okay. So deeds are a big one. I, and what, here's when it comes up. So you were saying you got the house, Kim, and um, then now you're going to sell your house and we're doing title work on your house. And it comes up that you and your former spouse still own it. His name is still on the deed. And it's like, Oh, that deed was never done to take him off. Now yours is a little bit different because you refinanced and did it that way, but that doesn't always happen. So now I'm trying to close on a real estate transaction and I've got a former spouse that I got get him to sign off on a deed giving the property. Mm -hmm. And maybe things haven't gone so well <laughs> right. in the intervening years. Um, and then it, I can get it, but it, I may have to go through some court proceeding in order to do it. So it, it makes it more complicated. Amen. So. And I think it's a really important thing to double check. On. Yeah. And I, I did make him. I had a little freak out. Are you sure? Are you sure you did it? Because so the deed, I'm guessing that happens more frequently if there's not a refinance involved. Um, so two ways. So one is, let's say you don't need to write, refine, like they can buy it out there. Maybe they're, yeah. So you're, you know, or you're the way you're dividing assets, you're not giving equity to the other spouse. Um, the deed should be done right away. And I've done it with your clients, yes. Lisa, we've, we've done this with some of your clients. Um, so right when you're filing that, that so you document, can bring that paperwork in when you file the divorce you and can. you probably should. So you don't forget. Well, that and it's done, right? It's <laughs> yep. just done. And it goes to somewhere different. I mean, it goes to the yes. register of deeds office, but it, but it, it, yes, you could, you should do that when you're as part as you're finalizing your, for those your people agreement. doing it on their own, yep. who maybe aren't thinking of all the things that an attorney representing them would. 
Yes. Probably would be a good idea to just, when they turn in their paperwork, turn that deed in yep. along with it. And um, they, I'm not sure how, if you get, it's, it's a quit, Q-U-I-T, quit claim yep. deed. Um, I don't know if it's available online. Like, I don't know where you get that form. And I don't know if a register of deeds office will give you a blank one. So you might need to work with an attorney so to now do it. That is something that I, yeah, I don't even question. I mean, with those legal descriptions, exactly. and I would never advise anyone yeah. to do that without having an attorney yeah. do it. I just don't. Because the other thing is you have specific language on there too, as far as like giving up all marital rights. Yep. And then you say it's pursuant to this um, marital settlement agreement, data, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And you kind of do all that. So there's extra stuff you put on that deed. But yeah, you want to get that taken care of right away. And are those located like with the county? Is that where the deeds normally are kept? Oh yeah, they're at the Register of Deeds office. Okay. And actually everything is online now. Oh. Every, you can get, you can go in and search online. Um, it's for a fee to pull a deed, like to be able to get a copy, or you can walk in and get a copy of a deed. Let's, let's say you want the deed to your house. You don't remember getting it, you don't have it. Um, you can go on the Register of Deeds and you just always want a regular copy, not a certified copy. So it should cost a few dollars, not a certified copy. And, um, yeah, you can say, I want a copy of the deed where I took title to my property. You know what I mean? And I, we, I have clients that have to do that all the time because when we're working with revocable trusts, we're, we're doing things about changing ownership or putting beneficiary designations on real estate, which is another point I'll just throw in there. And maybe it's a topic of another time, both in Minnesota and Wisconsin, you can now put a beneficiary designation on your real estate, just like your life insurance. I didn't know that. Yes. And so what that does, it, it prevents it from having to go through the probate process. So let's say mm. you have older kids your kids are 30, right? And you're single, you own your house by yourself and you just want everything to go out right to your kids. So you name them as beneficiaries. You put a beneficiary designation on your bank account, which they call it POD mm -hmm. payable on death on your brokerage account. They call it transfer on death mm -hmm. TOD. On your life insurance, they call a beneficiary designation. I don't know why there's all these different names. I think it's just to confuse us, but they <laughs> all mean the same thing. It's a beneficiary designation. For real estate now, it's been several years now, and it's wonderful. I can do a deed. It's called a transfer on death deed. And it says, while I'm alive, I own my property. If I still own this property when I die, give it to my two kids I in equal shares. And it's an automatic transfer by operation of law. I mean, there's no probate required or anything like that. It'll just go to them. They have to file a form. Um, in Wisconsin, we call it a termination of a decedent's interest in property. In Minnesota, we call it an affidavit of survivorship. They record that document with the register of deeds. Now they have title to your property. And so that's another thing for people to think about when you're getting divorced and you're older when you're getting divorced or your kids are older, that on top of getting the deed just in your name, you might want to layer on top that transfer on death deed. Yeah. You know what I mean? To be able to make it a non-probate I love transfer. that. I yeah. love that. Yeah. It works great with one and two kids. A little less right. so with three, because now you got it's going to each have yes. a third interest. They all have to pay the real estate taxes and the insurance and the upkeep, yeah. and they might be in different economic circumstances. 
They may have spouses. Now I've got six people I'm dealing with with different ideas. So three can work. Um, one and two, I've had very good Can you success. name just one though, if well, you have three? You don't want to do that because then it's just theirs. Right. Then it's just the one right. kid and then it doesn't go to the other two right. kids. So you, you want it, you want it to mirror what you want to have happen. Um, also just on that transfer on death deed, it's revocable. You can change it whenever you that. want. Um, and if you sell the property while you're alive, it just goes away. I was wondering you don't, about that you don't have to do anything to take it away. It just happens. It goes away. It's a no brainer. It's, I think exactly. anything to make it simpler when you pass away for your kids. Yes. I love yep. that. I love that. So that's Kim, what I was talking about going to the registry of deeds office. I will have clients that were going to do a transfer on death deed. I need the deed where they took title to the property in order to do that transfer on death deed. Mm -hmm. So, um, most, I think a lot of attorneys, we have like a, a, a system or a service that we buy that gives us access for a fee to, to pull all the deeds. But any person could walk into the Registry of Deeds office and just, um, you know, I want a copy of the deed to my property and get a copy of that. Yep. Okay. And I have clients that need to do that all the time. Yep. So it's, yep. that's, that's a good thing. Okay. So we've talked about, um, I think we've talked about all the things and I'm looking and it's gone so fast <laughs> and it's been so informative. And I do want to make sure that we can get you back. If you could, you know, talk about that prenuptial agreement oh, absolutely. And, and what people can do to prepare, because a lot of people listening to this are going to be moving forward. And I mean, that's what we, we want to coach them to a better life, you know, and, maybe, you know, setting that in place is going to help them as well. So if you can come back, we oh, would absolutely love it. And I would definitely recommend doing one, especially when you have children yes. and um, you want to make sure they're Amen. protected. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And even, you know, Kim and I always talk about how it's so easy to get married and so hard to get divorced. It would be a lot easier if you came in on the front end, really seeing what kind, what you're doing. You're coming together as one, everything you, you know, and people don't really understand Absolutely. you're legally bound. <laughs> so it is a big deal, yeah. but thank you so much. Oh, I've had welcome. so much My fun. Pleasure. Kim, thanks yeah. for being here too. Thank you. It was a pleasure meeting you. Yeah. Nice meeting you too, Kim. Yeah. Have a great weekend, ladies. You too. Yeah. We'll see you next week. All right. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. If you are going through a divorce or have questions about divorce or are just afraid about things, I really want to help you. Please go to lisakoski.com and just send me a note um, and set up a free consultation. We have so many ways to serve people because we know everybody has different needs. There's one-on-one, -on -one, there's on-demand and I'm very excited to now be offering a group divorce process. So we actually will be in community with other people. It'll still be completely anonymous, but this is launching on November 9th. And we're going to be doing a group divorce project. So if you want to learn more about that or any of our services, go to lisakoski.com. I'm here and I really want to help you.
Wasn't that an amazing episode? I mean, we learned all the things you don't want to forget when you're done with your divorce paperwork. Those beneficiary designations, the retirement fund transfers, and of course, those real estate deeds. So if you want to find Annie Brose, we'll put a link in our show notes. And she's at Door Drill Scow in New Richmond, Wisconsin. Thanks so much. Have a beautiful day.